Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. It is week 12. I am Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Avalanche Journal. And as always, joined by Ryan King, sports director at KLBK. Ryan, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, this week was the end of the regular season for classes 1 through 4A. Um, I believe TAPS still has a week in their regular season. And uh, big schools are obviously still going. But, you know, you look at it, and I think one of the games that sticks out to me that I went to was Ida Lou Roosevelt. Um, Ida Lou obviously coming in there with that undefeated record. Roosevelt only had one loss on the season to Abernathy. That was kind of one of those uh, big-time games because if Ida Lou wins, they're undefeated district champions. If they lose, then you've got – three teams at minimum with uh, one loss on the season. Idaloo ends up pulling it out. Uh, big performances defensively um, by a lot of different guys, really. Um, but it was just kind of a fun atmosphere. And like Roosevelt, Coach Matt Lander said, this game, you know, for the first time in a long time, between the two teams actually meant something because of what was at stake in past years. You know, the Eagles weren't as competitive as they were this year. Um, and they really – were competitive throughout most of the game. It's just, you know, some late, late things that kind of cost them. Um, but, you know, fun atmosphere. Congratulations to Ida Lou and, and Coach Lofton and those guys over there. They did a great job this season. And, you know, new season starts and they'll be headed to the playoffs. Yeah, I, did, I wasn't lucky enough to get to see this one in person, but it was what we hoped. Really didn't want one of those scenarios. Roosevelt plays great all year. They put themselves in position and just go out there and get rolled in a game for the district. You don't want that. At the very least, you want something competitive. And while, for the most part, it felt before the game and mostly during Idaloo's going to pull this out, Roosevelt still had that chance where you could look at the game and say, Idaloo is the better team. But if just the right things break their way, Roosevelt could win this thing. And I think if, if Coach Landers was totally honest, and I, I, got, I, I think he's a very logical man, I think he would admit, yes, Idaloo, at least as of right now, probably is a better team. but that doesn't mean we can't win the game. We are in the same league as these guys. We could win it. They were right there for most of the game. Uh, but I think when you look at just how the sports gods went with this district, it kind of went the way it should have, in my opinion. Abernathy and Roosevelt basically tied, you know, obviously for the tiebreaker, Abernathy gets it for the seating, but they, they tie each other. Then, are they not tied? No, um, Abernathy had only had one loss. They beat Coahoma. And so I guess that's I guess Rose and yeah, Coleman and I, I guess have Rose two losses. That's yeah, right. and then, yeah, they do get third. It's still an eight and two season though for Roosevelt. I mean, it's still a heck of a heck of an accomplishment. Idaho, it did feel like honestly. I think you and I talked about this after the way they dominated Denver City week one. 
it kind of felt like, well, this might. So they dominated Denver City. Abernathy got beat pretty bad by Shallow Water. And Shallow Water and Denver City are, I mean, yeah, Shallow Water's better, but they're close. So it kind of felt like, okay, well, this might be Idaloo's district to lose this year. And it was. Um, yes, you have to give credit to them, first of all. Idaloo, great season. Uh, you know, start to finish, great season for them. Roosevelt has nothing to hang their heads about. Um, they beat everyone. You, you can make an argument. They beat everyone they were supposed to. Any tight contest they won. The only thing they might be disappointed about is maybe that Abernathy game. But I think Abernathy is better than we're giving them credit for than they were, you know, the beginning of the year. Like, they have gotten better throughout the year. So, 8-2, and 9-1. and one. When this team, talking to Coach Landers in the preseason, they'd only been to back-to-back playoffs once ever, and they haven't done it since, like, 1986. Now they're going again. And they won eight games. I mean, if I, if I told Coach Landers in the offseason, hey, you're going to go eight and two, and the last game against Idaloo is for the district, I think they absolutely would have signed up for that. No, no questions about it. Yeah. Um, so definitely a really cool season for them. And now they're in the playoffs. Uh, and we'll get to see maybe, you know, like I said, it is a new season. The district now, that was cool. Now it doesn't matter. <laughs> now it's, 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 a new, it's a new season. And – Roosevelt has a lot to be proud of, and maybe they can – maybe they'll get a rematch with Idaloo. Who knows? You know, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. What's crazy about that, and I've talked to uh, every coach in our area in that district about it, is that when you look at their bi-district matches, these are regional quarterfinal matches – or regional quarterfinal yeah. games yeah. any other time of year. Like, literally, yeah. my first year in West Texas in 2018 – Abernathy and Childress played in the regional quarterfinals. I believe that was. I know. Um, I know. And then they, and then Abernathy beat them, and then Abernathy played a Canadian in the regional semi. So, it's crazy to think that they're starting out with this. Um, like I said, Abernathy will play Childress um, in Florida. You'll have um, Friona and Idaloo, which probably won't be as competitive as the other ones, but they'll play in uh, in Plainview. Plainview, yeah. Have. Um, Idaloo and – or I'm sorry, not Idaloo. Roosevelt and Spearman. Uh, I can't remember where they – River Road. River Road, okay. Um, but, yeah, so the, you, you look at it and it's like, okay, you know, Roosevelt prepared really well against Idaloo. And I didn't even make the argument. They probably shouldn't have beat Coahoma, but I think that's just where that growth has come in because that was yeah. where you look at and you say, oh, you know, they probably won't win this one. But to me, like – I kind of figured they would win it. Um, I knew it would be close because, you know, Coahoma is also a really good team. Um, but on paper, if you look at it and you look at the history of the two teams, you would automatically think Coahoma would win. So I think that was a good win for them and just establishing the fact that maybe they aren't the Roosevelt old. Maybe now they can have some progress and, you know, build a winning culture because they're not doing it. This isn't a senior-laden team. I mean, J.J. Diaz, Alex, you know, are juniors. Obviously, it's going to be huge without Jacob Torres next year. But this is a team that has a lot of youth. Um, And then when you look at Idaloo, they're a team that has a lot of seniors, but they have tradition to where, like, yeah, they're going to graduate a big group of seniors with, you know, uh, Jarrett Jack, who played a really good game this past Friday, Um, Brock Brock Leatherwood, Um, a lot of those guys, but like I said, they have tradition. So whereas, yeah, these seniors might be leaving. Well, 
And Abernathy, too, you'll have juniors that maybe came in some of those games during the season that were not close or sophomores that came in, you know, when they were already up by however many that got those reps. So, yeah, they might not be starters, but they have that varsity experience. Um, but get, just getting back to the playoffs and those kind of matchups, um, yeah, those are going to be – I feel like whoever wins those games have a good of getting at least to the regional quarters just because of how tough these two districts are going at one another. Um, but, I mean, crazy things can happen <laughs> when it comes to playoffs. Those are tough matchups. I do agree with you. But just rounding things out on Roosevelt – if you break it down this way, out of 10 games, they went 0-1 in games they shouldn't have won, Idaloo. They went 1-1 in games that were iffy, Kahoma and uh, Abernathy. And then 7-0 in hindsight, we didn't know at the time, but hindsight games they should have won. Roosevelt in recent years has not done that. First of all, there haven't been seven games they should have won right. in previous seasons. Even 1-1 one one in the toss-up games, and it's not like they couldn't have beaten Abernathy. It's not like they got blown. You know, like, this this shows the steps they've taken. You're exactly right. The young talent they have that can clearly take them to the to another level even next year. Uh, obviously, losing Torres is a big one, but outside of that, they have talent there to make another um, another step next year. And that is really exciting for that district. Yeah, I think the thing too is that we talk about. Um how difficult 2A Division One is. But I think this district now kind of showed you they're right in there with that competition level. Um, it'll be very telling how things go this playoff season. But, I mean, you've got a lot of, a lot of really good teams. Um, and then kind of, I think we're moving on to this one, Motley, Jayton, Motley County and Jayton had a chance to talk to Coach Staniland. So be sure to listen to that next segment if you are still listening at this point. Um, both teams came in with one loss. Both of those losses were either the first or like third or fourth game of the season. So coming into Friday, neither one of these teams had lost in a very long time. Um, and then Jayton ends up pulling it out 67 to 50 off some turnovers that they capitalize on. Um, and, you know, it, they get the number one seed. And it's kind of like I was saying to Coach Staniland, six men is interesting um, – just for the simple fact that you only have two playoff spots. But the difference in the number one seed and the number two seed can be either really, really a lot or not that much at all. Because, like, you look at their district, 7-1-A Division two. you have Motley County, like I said, who only had one loss. They're ranked number two in the state, I believe. Jayton is, like, number five, uh, depending on where the new rankings that came out today have yeah. And only had one loss to O'Donnell, um, and now they got they have to go play another district with uh, Chillicoff is who Jaden plays, and then Benjamin is who Motley County plays. Don't know much about that district, but you know you could easily have where maybe there was a good gap in between how Chillicoff did and uh, Benjamin did. You can kind of even see that with like Borton County and O'Donnell. I mean O'Donnell's a good team. But when you look at how, how much the win margin was of yeah. County, there's a, there's a good amount of separation there. Um, but definitely looking forward to, to see what the Jaybirds have in store, the Matadors, all those teams. But, yeah, I think that that win against Motley County for District will give Jayton some good momentum moving forward. 
you know what's funny is um, so those first of all you're right Benjamin's is a one loss team Chillicoth is a five and four team so that shows like the difference you know in those I would expect both Jayton and Motley County to probably win but you know what's funny is this game yeah it was really you know winner gets the district winner gets the one seed this is a lot for Jayton and Motley County two great teams well you know what's funny last year Jayton runs the table they go undefeated they win the district they beat Motley County but they lost in like the second or third round of the playoffs and Motley County is the one that plays for the state title so it's funny that I'm not gonna say they're each where they want to be I'm sure Motley County would rather be the one seed but this is exactly what they each were last year and Motley County was the one that was playing the state championship so you can say at least you can say Jayton is obviously happy to have won the district right and you can say Motley County cannot possibly be crushed they haven't won it because they can just say hey guys this is exactly where we were last year and we played for the state championships. Right. So we still have the best player on Jake Richard. We still are exactly where we were last year when we ended up pulling, you know, about four or five straight wins to get to the state championship. We're right where we want to be guys. Like this, this isn't a big deal. So it is funny that yes, that was all on the line. Like you said, you obviously they could wave a magical wand. I'm sure Motley County would rather be the one seed. But I don't think they're freaking out right now. I think both teams are fine with where they're at heading into this, uh, heading into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to go through real quick um, our playoff area playoff teams. First off, congratulations on everybody for making it because a lot of people didn't. Um, and then with this COVID era, it's hard to get games in, which makes everyone count even that much more. Um, but like you mentioned before we got on, it is a lot more Thursday games which I believe you're right has to do with um, the bigger schools still playing. And those are a lot of the venues that they would normally um, use. Uh, Estacado got really lucky in that nobody has a Thursday game this week. So they get to host Pecos, 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 um, this Thursday at home. Then you drop down in three division one river road at shallow water. Uh, you have Slayton and Bushland are playing at Lubbock Cooper. So there again goes that, well, they're, they're not playing, but they would have been away anyway had they been playing um, despite those those COVID-19 cases and quarantine shutdown, um, or excuse me, COVID-19 exposure. Um, and then drop down to a Division One. Post plays West Texas. Sundown plays Farwell and Levelin, which will be one that I'll be at. They play a doubleheader just before them. Olton and New Deal play one another, so old district mates at 4 p.m. in Leveland. Uh, Sudan gets Wink in Denver City. Rawls plays Seymour and Childress. White Deer and Spring Lake Earth face off and happy. And then Jake and Chili Golf, like you mentioned. Then on Friday, uh, Levelin actually travels to Sweetwater. Levelin got that fourth. I believe that was Seminole got the, or excuse me, I think Seminole got the third. And Seminole, or Levelin got I think the third. I think Seminole. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So then Seminole plays Greenwood. Uh, Denver City plays Field back at Lubbock Cooper High. Uh, Lamisa plays Dalhart at Friendship, who will be on the road this week. Yep. Um, like we mentioned, that 3A Division Two with Ida Lou Abernathy and Roosevelt. Um, like you mentioned, Roosevelt plays Spearman at River Road, Abernathy and Childress at Florida. And then Ida and Friona are just right up the road in Plainview. Panhandle and, Tulia, or Panhandle and Hale Center play one another in Tulia which actually might be a really good game considering the, the growth that Hale Center's had this season. Yeah. yeah. Um, Smire and Seagraves play at post. Smire got that undefeated district championship and actually played Seagraves earlier this season and won 20-0. So I'm sure that's going to be something on both teams' minds. 
um, Lockney, who had only one loss to ha a state-ranked Hamlin team. I think they only lost 20 to zero as well. Uh, they play at Archer City. Plains plays Bovina and Shallowwater. Ropes, who in their first season at 11 man of the millennium, they got that fourth seed um, after a win this past week. So they'll play McKamey and Big Springs. Borden County plays Crowell and Trent. O'Donnell plays Knox City and Jayton. Petersburg takes on Happy and Crest. Motley County in ben against Benjamin and Guthrie, like we mentioned. And then Klondike, who is our one of our other uh, teams that finished the regular season undefeated, will play Amherst on Friday. So kind of a, a rundown, a lot going on, um, but definitely some very quality uh, playoff games to start. Oh, there is – I mean – when I was just going down making the schedule, like you mentioned, the fact that we were able to get to 20 games, which those Thursday games, you know, helped out very much. But there was quite a few games that are like, man, not only are they close for fans to go to and for us to cover, which is, you know, that that's fantastic. Right. But some of the matchups for the first round, usually the first round matchups are not the most exciting because you're just like, <laughs> okay, well, Abernathy's taking on this team that they're going to beat by 45, you know, like right. – I feel like a lot of these are fun. They're, there's good, like, double headers. I know Leveland is hosting New Deal Olton and Sundown – is it Farwell, I believe? Mm -hmm. Those, sorry, you were like, That's me. awesome. I, I know. I was trying to – there's a lot of matchups. There's a lot of them. There's a lot going on, uh, yeah. You know, it's like to have that double header there. It's just, and it's, it's really cool to see these teams get a spotlight. Like, I was even thinking about Slayton's taking on Bushland at Lovett Cooper. Bushland yeah. is a great team. That would be very, very, very difficult for Slayton to win. But regardless, they've made the playoffs, and they get to play at Lubbock Cooper, which is – it's not the Jones or something, but it's a bigger spotlight than just playing, you know, the district schedule at Slayton or whatever. So it's really cool to see a lot of these teams get that spotlight. Hale Center, like you mentioned, I mean, that that's really been a storyline that personally I didn't really see coming as far as how well they've played this year. And just a lot of teams that it, – it is really exciting that we're here – and it is weird to also counterbalance with, oh, yeah, by the way, Coronado plays Amarillo. And, uh, you know, uh, like – We'll the, talk the about in just a second. Plays, yeah, like all those matches. But just when you look at the playoffs, like it is just exciting that it's here. And just the amount of teams that are getting a chance, the amount of teams that you feel like can make a run. Um, and you're getting rewarded for that regular season. That's been really fun so far. And I think these next two weeks are so intense because – even without the 5A and 6A, and perhaps doesn't start till next week, but even without those teams, for 1A to 4A, I mean, this is it. Like, right. these next couple of weeks, we will see our playoffs. I haven't counted them up, but I'm going to guess it's uh, – we've got 40 to 50 teams still playing uh, between 1A and 4A. I'm going to guess it's somewhere in that range. Uh, right? Would that be – it's, it's less than that. Because you figure like – in the 30s, you think? District, district was with each other. Uh, maybe about 20 to 30, yeah. That's Okay, man, that's lower than I thought. But, yeah, it's like if it's um, – out of all those, that's going to get cut in optimistically a fourth in two weeks, probably even more than that. So it's just fun to see these first couple weeks and how many matchups that are – how many teams do get eliminated, but who can make that surprise run? Like Sundown was a surprise team last year. And it's who can be those surprise teams this year are really excited. So because I'm a determined individual, I just counted them and it's 31. So 31. Thir so 31. So you're optimistically 
in two weeks, we're talking about excluding TAPS, 5A, and 6A. Just of the teams that are currently in the playoffs, out of 31, optimistically, I think we're looking at, I mean, 10. If you're, like, optimistic in two weeks still playing. So it's it's just these next couple weeks are so crucial. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to see in those two weeks who is – who's taken a step as a program, who's gotten a couple wins or maybe even one or maybe two wins. Like, wow, we didn't see this one coming. Like the one I brought up with Sundown last year did not see them gain as far as they did. And it was really exciting. Like, okay, who do we have still playing? Okay, Lubbock Christian still playing. Lubbock Cooper still playing. Post is still playing. We got this. Oh, uh, Sundown is in the uh, state quarterfinals over here. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's always fun to see who those are. Now we're fighting here. We didn't know in the offseason we were going to get football, if we were going to get playoff football. But we are here now, and here's the thing. No more delayed or postponed games. It's right. either they're playing or it's a forfeit. That, that's, that's how it is going forward. So don't want to forfeit, but I will take a forfeit over um, these arbitrary postponements that never actually happen. Well, you can't. You know, there's no way you can postpone a game yeah. at this point. Uh, it, it, the only way you can go is, like another, is you can only postpone like a day or two. You can't postpone by weeks. Yeah, So which would defeat the whole purpose if it's COVID-19 related. Um, but I think that adds another, I don't want to say pressure, but that definitely adds another layer to these kids yeah. to, you know, basically live in a bubble um, and yeah. stay healthy because if you get COVID-19 or you're around someone that, get COVID, that has COVID-19 and, you know, you're around your team, now you put everybody at risk. So, uh, yep. you know, you just have to stay, stay, you have to stay safe, definitely praying, hoping, fingers crossed that all of our teams can do that. Because you look at, I mean, look at Olton. Olton finished second in their district. They beat Farwell this week. Do you know their only loss? I think you know. Old, I know. I looked at this a couple of weeks ago because we shot uh, one of the games, but no, I don't remember now. Their only district loss was a forfeit to Panhandle because of COVID-19. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the forfeit. I That's mean, right. maybe they win. Maybe they don't. But you'd at least want them to get the chance to, to be on the field you know, to let it yeah. play out there versus having, you know, something that quite frankly is out of their control, you know, take that away. Um, because, and that's the thing about it is, yes, you know, you can do everything you're supposed to do, which obviously is very encouraged, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have an yeah. out or some kind of, the only thing that means is that you took the necessary steps to prevent that from happening and then, let, you know, destiny, fate, whatever kind of play out. Um Let's just not even put that out there. Could you imagine right. if Post yeah. is in the state semis and three guys get in after quarantine, 14 guys? Like, that would right. be absolutely – like, it's bad enough during the season because it can affect playoff positioning, even yeah. making the playoffs. Who knows? But in the playoffs when directly this eliminates you – and it's going to happen. Like, there's already been a few – none in our area. Yeah. Thank goodness. There's already been a few around the state that have had to forfeit that by district yep. um, game, which stinks because, like, you fought to get to the playoffs. And now it's like, well, guys, our season's over. Um, we can't play the game because mm-hmm. of COVID. Like, that's just – that is so brutal. So, you're just hoping we can get six more weeks. And for most of our teams, let's be honest, it's another three to four weeks where you just have to stay healthy. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, eight of our teams are not going to be in the state championships. Just being right. realistic – they just got to get through four or five rounds of playoffs. So we're looking at another three to four to five weeks of stay healthy. Yeah, yep. you know, just stay in your bubble. If you're in post, don't leave post. Stay there for the next six weeks uh, and <laughs> make sure that no one gets it. <laughs> right, right. No, definitely. We'll be 
hoping for the best for all of our teams. But switching gears to bigger schools, uh, we haven't talked about Coronado as much because they've just kind of been just running over everybody yeah. <laughs> so far this season at 6-0. But this week I think they'll have their biggest district challenge yet. I think they definitely um, were tried and tested so non-district uh, schedule with wins over yeah. Lubbock, Cooper, and Friendship. But when you look at it, and now you're playing Amarillo High, you do get them at home, which is huge. Um, it's a Friday game. But I think this this game has a potential to be uh, their biggest one to date just because of the simple fact that it is district. Um, I honestly thought they should have won last year. They ended up losing 31 to 28. But you figure they're, that's in their minds. And I think um, – I think it was Amari Jones talked to Randy Rosette of Hub City Preps um, in a video, and he said, you know, we haven't forgot about that. And thank goodness, because now you've got a team that essentially is almost all back, save a few people that graduated, like, you know, John Hernandez and uh, and Eric there on the line. But, uh, you know, you got pretty much everybody back. They remember that loss. I think they have a good chance of winning this week. So I'll say this. I'm not saying they're going to lose this game, but let's pencil in a loss for Tescosa. Let's just say they do lose that game, mm-hmm. uh, Coronado. Then this is their biggest game of the year because everyone else, you're going to say, probably going to win that game. They're mm-hmm. probably going to beat Monterey. They're probably going to beat uh, the rest of the team. Caprock, yes. They're going to win those games. So if you pencil in a loss to Tescosa, which they could win. I'm not saying that, but just for, for this game. Chance, yeah. yeah, but let's just say they lose it for this game. This would decide who gets the two versus the three seed. Mm-hmm. So this game has as much impact as any of them because if they win this, now you're looking at Tascosa and saying, okay, that game decides who gets the one and the two. Yep. I would argue there is a much bigger difference in being the two to the three versus the one to the two. Absolutely. That is a so you cannot lose to Amarillo. You you cannot lose to Amarillo. That is a this is a must win in a way. If you want to be one of those top two seeds, you want to have that favorable schedule for the first few rounds of the playoffs, you have to beat Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, they could go out and beat Tascosa, and this doesn't matter anyway because they win the district, they go undefeated, whatever. But mm-hmm. hypothetically, they lose to Tascosa, then the season will retroactively look at this game for seeding, for everything. And that matchup, now all of a sudden, they're taking on a two seed in another district instead of a three. And even if they win that, it only gets tougher and tougher as you go. So I think this Amarillo game, I agree with you, they should have won last year. It is a huge thing they're getting them at home. I think this Coronado team is, since I have been here, we've talked about this all season, I think is the best Coronado team I've seen. And I would argue the second best or the best, I don't know which, but second best or the best Lubbock ISD team compared to their schedule right there with Estacado from last year. Obviously, this Coronado team is better than last year's Estacado, but compared to 4A versus this team compared to 5A, sure. you know, I, I'd, I'd put them in that top two. So I would expect them to win this game. I think they need to win this game. I think Coach Parr knows, hey, it's one thing, you know, don't take Paladoro for granted. Don't take Odessa for granted. Don't take Lubbock High for granted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this one, there's no taking this team for granted. This is a, guys, we need to win this game. We need to show how good we are and go out there and win this game and dominate this game. And if they do, then that's really going to open up their season. Adversely, if they lose this game, we're going to be looking at the season a little bit different. So – in my estimation, it's the biggest game uh, on the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I don't know. I just feel really, really strongly that they, they should win this one. Not comparing – well, I guess I am comparing games. But you look at uh, when Emerald High played Monterey here a couple weeks ago. I mean, you can make the same argument. Like, maybe Monterey should have won that game just because of how well their defense was playing. Um, offense was still kind of figuring some things out, making some some adjustments and moves there. But when you figure, you know, for the better part of the game, they kept them to, what, 17 points? I think the 14 came, like, kind of late. Was it in third and fourth quarters? Yeah, that sounds right. They, like, they were in it. Yeah, I know one score came in the fourth because it was kind of like, okay, you know, stick a fork in it. But – you figure if Emer if Monterey can struggle on offense and stay that close to Emerald High, you know, and again, you hate to compare because different weeks, different teams could show up. You just never know. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. in the fact that Monterey or uh, excuse me, Emerald High is playing with their second string quarterback. Uh, not sure if their first one will be back this week. I don't know the specifics of his injury, um, but I think you have a lot who, like I said, remember what happened last year. They're not wanting to lose the game because the thing is winning is contagious. You're 6-0 and right now. Who, who's going to want to stop that, you know, and have a loss disrupt it? Um, ranked number seven, I believe, seven or eight, uh, and Dave Campbell, Texas football class, 5A Division One poll could be higher. This week the poll came out, maybe as we're talking, I'll have to check on that. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think it's going to be – a really good game, but I think at when it boils down to it, they're extremely well balanced, um, and they should have enough to get this one done and uh, be playing for. It's kind of the the big school version of Idle Roosevelt that we talked about. Because if they win this one, you know they have um, Caprock there at their place. Then they host Monterey, which I mean, I say host with quotes because they all play on this stadium but they'll just be the home team on the the scoreboard and then they go to Tesco on a Thursday so that very well could be for a district championship which you know uh, they they deal with it but I would like that game to be on a Friday just because you want that that yeah night feel to it but I no get kidding. it no kidding. yeah that's just how the schedule works because a lot of teams share stadiums um but but it's good with playoffs We'll be so deep covering playoff teams for the smaller schools. And by oh, then, true. I think we'll transition to Fridays. So by that week, we probably will not have too many Thursday night playoff right. games. So in that way, it will kind of get its own night. So that is, But I yeah. agree with you. It would be nice. Yeah. But I think it, uh, we're building up for that, um, that big game. So, But like you said, it really depends on how they respond this week. Um, you know, they beat. Lubbock High 70 to 14 last week. 14 is the most points teams given up only twice, once to the Westerners and once at the beginning of the season of friendship. Since then it's been like zero, zero. I know they had the three back back shutouts. Uh Paladero got six on them, Ryder got thirteen. Um, so they're not giving up a lot of points defensively, but they're also scoring a lot of points. Um, so that tends to give way to some wins if you score more points than the other team does. That's what I've been told, though. No, that, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're spot on. It's, Hashtag. This year oh, – oh, there you are. You, like, yep, broke okay. up. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
the other thing about this year, have you noticed it's so different in the other years that it's like, it's almost like you have to have two, this is off topic, but you have to have like two working brains. You have to have like, yep. The smaller schools are in a totally, so it's like record wise, what games mean are totally different mm-hmm. than the big schools. Cause like this last week, who was I thinking about? I think it was Monterey. I guess that went over Caprock. It's like, wow, this can like propel them into the play. I was like, Oh wait, it's week. Uh, seven or six or whatever it was. I was like, and yeah. they've had a couple of, you know, games that are canceled. I'm like, well, I guess this game doesn't mean as much as I thought it. It's very, it's, it's very confusing. And I'm ready for yeah. my first year as sports director. Um, I, I, the one good thing you can take away from this, um, can't, it cannot possibly get much tougher than this going forward for these seasons. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah, and speaking of that, that Monterey, I, w- I will say I do think that's a good win for Monterey to be Caprock, um, just because they did kind of – It was very needed. A little bit. Very yeah, needed. absolutely. And I think this is a Monterey team that plays better uh, when they're competent. I think they can kind of sometimes get down oh, yeah. a little bit, and Coach Hutch just talked about that. So you figure, you know, you have that little bit of confidence boost going into the, the open week. You know, you maybe use that uh, – kind of get things going and then come back next week a little more refreshed. Um, but I think my prediction of the district would be right now, just based on what Tascosa did last year at the 6A level, um, and I might get in trouble for this, but I think their district would be Tascosa, Coronado, Amarillo High, Monterey. I think Monterey will end up getting that, that fourth spot. Um, yeah, who are the other two? Is it just Paladuro and Caprock? Am I forgetting anybody? Oh, Lubbock High. Right. Those three. Yeah. Uh, then, I mean, Monterey beat Caprock. They beat Lubbock High. Yeah. And they play Paladuro, I think, last game of the year. So, it could come down to that game, or Monterey could already have it, I guess. Yeah, you're probably right. That probably will be – you said Tascosa, Coronado, Amarillo, Monterey. Yeah. That order? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. And there's still – I mean, that – to be fair, there's still a lot of season. That's not to say that somebody won't have a slip-up. Um, I just don't really see anybody having a slip-up. Um, it's but, tough for because they're blocked off by Amarillo. Yeah. Like they don't have that tiebreaker over Amarillo, and that's kind of like, you know, the odds of beating Tesco's or Coronado are already slim, but even if you did it, right. you now at best are probably going to tie Amarillo. And yeah. then you don't so – like that, that's kind of a roadblock – when the team that is right above you, you lose to, and that's why I said it's so important for Coronado. That's why I guess Monterey's best chance at this point would be Coronado losing to Tascosa and Amarillo, and Monterey gets the upset, and they get up to the three, and Coronado drops to four. Like, that would be Monterey's best chance to not be the four seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they lost to Amarillo. Yeah. And, and just to kind of talk about that, that confidence, um, they get – Tascosa after this open week so they will um, they'll have them here at least but they will get Tascosa um, next week after they get back. This is such a tough team for this district that team for this district is so brutal I mean good lord this is not even fair I I remember when we were looking at realignments and Abilene Cooper left you're like okay you know this is this good and it's like oh well (laughs) it's just like all right uh, that, that doesn't make literally it any uh, easier. It's truly 
truly unbelievable that like, hey, Abilene Cooper's gone. Look at that. That really opens everything up. <laughs> and, oh, Taz Ghost joined. Like, oh, never mind. Bring us Abilene Cooper back. That's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, they only made this yeah. quarterfinals at the 6A level. No big deal. Yeah, man. So, but it makes it fun, though, because it's competitive, you know, and you look no, at yeah, yeah. what yeah. Coronado's doing, and, I mean, Coronado very well has a chance. I give him a chance to beat Tascosa. I don't know. If, but, no, they definitely have a chance. But yeah. that will definitely be a fun game. And, I mean, if you imagine, you know, they go ahead and get that win, technically it won't be an upset because Tascosa is not even ranked. So it would be, yeah, which, quote, unquote. I don't know how that is. I don't know how they're not ranked. I, I really don't get it. I, I'm not sure either. But um, so technically. Maybe they know something that we don't. Maybe the maybe Dave Campbell's knows something that we don't, and actually Coronado is significantly better. I would disagree, yeah. but uh, maybe they're right. I and mean, it's, I think it's tough. You, I mean, you've seen this. It's really tough to break into a rankings when you haven't been ranked. Like you need that win over like a, oh look, number eight Coronado lost to Tascosa by twenty four mm-hmm. points. Oh, they must be a top ten. I feel like it's tough to break into those rankings. Well, just like kind it's what... kind of tough to fall. Abernathy was ranked for the first like four weeks of the year, you know, so it's it's kind of tough to fall out for once it, you're in there. They rankings like to keep the people that they've had in there. It depends on where they're ranked. Because like I remember Raw yeah. ranked at one point last year, I think number nine or number ten. Sundown was like number nine this week or uh, this year. They lost the game and were out. So I think it depends on where you're ranked. Yeah. You can make that argument for Coronado too. They weren't ranked coming into the season, at least not in the top ten. They beat Lubbock Cooper. Yeah. And I think go up to number nine and then uh Levitt Cooper drops from three to nine so um I just think it I mean, on that it's also I thought Sundown this is totally off topic. I think Sundown got shafted on that they got ranked yeah nine or ten whatever it was the week they play post the week they play post they yeah. get obliterated because post <laughs> is incredible and they haven't sniffed the ranking since I'm like you guys did they did the roughnecks dirty like that's the week they rank them then it's like we're not even going to consider them after that week. Look how bad they lost. Okay, well, post is great. That's, that's not fair. Which, by the way, can we point out? I I'm not saying I'm not saying they should be ranked, but once again, Lockney they only gave up 22 was, to a great Hamlin team. <laughs> we'll point that out. I was going to say first you were capping or caping for uh, Lockney was at last week, and then this week it's Lockney and Sundown. So we'll we'll have to see. I've always been on the Sundown train. You know that. I think Sundown's a top ten team. I really do. I think they're underrated. I was state. very impressed. I, I I think Sundown can absolutely get back to the quarters. I really do. I, yes. I really, truly do. Uh, and if you're in the quarters, that's top eight, and <laughs> there's only ten that get ranked. So I, I'm not saying New Deal's great, but I think that was a great win to be down 21 to 14 or 21 to 7. I know it was 21 to 14 in the middle of the second quarter and yeah. win the game 35 to 21. That's Two and a half quarters that were at least twenty-one to nothing. Maybe been twenty of them, but at least three and a half quarters of twenty-one to nothing at a program like New Deal with seating and everything on the line in the last game. That says a lot about a program. I was really impressed by that win. I believe that was Coach Adam Cummings' first win over New Deal because he got there and I believe it was two thousand eighteen. Probably. That might have been yeah, probably because he was at Hale Center for what two or three years, and I don't think they ever beat New Deal. Yeah. So that could have been his yeah, first that, I, I didn't think that, but that's yeah. – Yeah, I'll have yeah, to ask, but I'm pretty sure that is. Beating New Deal on the road, last game of the year, 
hanging into the playoffs, seeding on the line. You're down um, seven or 14 in the middle of the second on the road, mm-hmm. and you dominate the rest of the game. That says a lot. I'm, I know New Deal is not the New Deal they were two years ago. They're not mm-hmm. going to the state championship or anything. But that is, that is still a, that is a really good win. The way they yeah. won that game, I was very yeah. impressed by no, yeah, definitely. Um, I saw that, and I was like, yeah, I think this team is going to go places. Uh, I mean, you saw what they did with the number three seed last year. Imagine what they're going to yeah. do number two seed this year. Uh, yeah. Arwell, who Olten beats. And, and not again, I don't want to have to, like, play connect the dots here, but you figure Olten beat Farwell, and then in this same district last year, Olten was in it, Sundown beat them. So, you know, if all things are constant or you go by that kind of logic, then, I mean, you can go ahead and pencil Sundown in for the area round, which I think they'll win. Um, looking forward to watching that game. I'll be out there, like I mentioned, for that doubleheader. Um, mm-hmm. And Sundown and Olten will – or, excuse me, New Deal and Olten will play that, that afternoon game before that 7.30 night cap. Um, but it's just setting up for – this is probably my favorite time of year is playoffs just because I like to travel to different cities – and as all sports writers mm-hmm. do, eat at different restaurants in different cities. But also it just has like a different feel to it um, as far as just the intensity of it. Everybody knows what's at stake. Um, everybody wants those gold balls. I had a chance to talk to Jared Jack uh, from Idaloo on Friday, and he kind of mentioned that about, you know, this is, this is just the beginning or we want to continue trusting each other and building that momentum so that we can uh, win some more which would be, I believe, 2015, they got to the state semis. Um, and then, obviously, we know about the state title in 10, 2010. So you figure if they can make – I can't remember what they, what they did in 2016, but if you figure they can keep making these big runs at Idaloo, like we've already talked about them being a traditional program or having that tradition within their program. I mean, we could be talking about one of those kind of legendary programs that, that started with Coach Taylor um, in 2010 and – Coach Lofton coming in there as his son-in-law, just continuing that success. Um, so it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, but then crossing over to some volleyball, speaking of history being made, um, I wrote my column this week, which is out now if you're listening to this on Tuesday, about Brownfield's volleyball program and Mallory Ellis, who was an alum of a former Lady Cub, who also played volleyball at um, Wayland Baptist. Brownfield is in regional semifinals for the first time in program history, which when you figure Mallory is, or Coach Ellis is only 23, I think she said. And for a first mm-hmm. coach, she'd never been an assistant coach at all. Her first coaching experience, her to lead a team to this point, she had Brownfield's best ever start at 11-0, and um, which I'm guessing would probably be um, a record for win streak as well. Shout out to them there. I think she's got something really amazing going, and it's good to kind of start your career off this way. Brownfield's ridiculous. You do not see someone come in first year and do the things that they're doing. Ellis, I think she's proven already. You're right. She's clearly a great coach. This isn't just like – she says, like, I know, we, you know we've had good talent here. Help me. I was like, yes, talent can only do so much because a lot of the same talent was there last year, and they were good. Right. They were not this – so she has clearly known what she's doing. She's taken that – it is also cool to have that West Texas tie of played at Brownfield, played at Wayland, and playing – hometown hero. Goes back there. Like that, it, that, is a great, that is a great story. Wish them nothing but the best. But, yeah, also, 
Idaloo is not bad. For people that don't know Volvo, Idaloo is not a bad program. Right. And for all intents and purposes, Brownfield dominated Idaloo this last weekend. So th- that, is, that is impressive what they did. Yeah, the Lady Cubs have only had one game last longer than five sets in the last, I think, four or five matches. Um, and that was Denver City for the seeding match, which they took them to five sets. Um, I thought it was really cool. She mentioned Coach Megan David there over there at Denver City and Amy Mangum at Shallow Water as some of her mentors and kind of role models. And, you know, getting wins yeah. for them were, were highlights of her career at this point. Um, but, yeah, area round, by district, regional quarters, all sweeps. Um, so definitely congratulations to the lady Cubs for getting this far. Good luck this week. Um, they'll play holiday for the regional semis. They can get that win. I mean, it would just be uh, an, another addition to a really magical year for them. So we'll be on the lookout for them. Definitely. Oh, the other team want to shout out Plains. Jay Madrid, it's still her first year um, as Plains volleyball coach. She's got them in the regional semis. I think they have a little more history of success, but I don't think it's been uh it's been some time since they've gotten to this point but you know first year coaches is doing it big in volleyball for our area so definitely luck to plains as well this week in their regional semifinals match we'll have all that coverage and more uh as much as we can in our paper um ryan i'm sure you guys will cover it there at klbk and talk about them i know leah did uh something on brownfield this past weekend um so that was shout out to Leah Doherty for that. Um, and then, of course, we'll always be keeping you posted on all the latest football action. You'll stay tuned. I am talking to Jayton coach Josh Stanilin, as I mentioned. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And welcome to the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm joined by Jayton coach Josh Stanilin. Coach, first off, congratulations on winning a district championship. Um, that game was obviously against Motley County, one that everybody kind of had and were looking at, not even when the season started, but really almost when alignment happened of seeing, okay, you guys would be in the same district. Uh, I guess for you, you know, what was that moment like or the season like? Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it was pretty exciting from the time that we, uh, we saw the realignment. And, uh, you know, after we went and had our district meeting and drew our schedules and once we saw that we were going to get those guys the, the last game of the season, you know, obviously it creates a lot of excitement. But, uh, you know, um, the good thing about it is, you know, throughout the summer and, and even though things were crazy with, with COVID and stuff, it really gave the kids something to look to and to work toward because obviously those guys are just just an outstanding football team coming off of a state game and, returning a bunch of kids. And so, uh, yeah, it was exciting. And, and anytime you have an opponent like that to, to look forward to a game that you can circle on the schedule, it, it really helps. You only have the one loss to O'Donnell uh, kind of early on, but really haven't lost in, I guess, a month now. What is just the feel of this team right now? You know, I, I feel like um, we're starting to play with a lot of confidence. Um, early in the year, like during that O'Donnell game, you know, I think we were still trying to figure ourselves out. You know, we we'd graduated five starters from last year's group. And so this is a group that, you know, um, was still learning to play together and do some stuff. And I think now what we're starting to see, we're starting to see them peak a little bit. 
um, starting to play our best ball, which is what we want to do. And so, uh, you know, that, that O'Donnell game was one that we were able to add due to uh, losing the Valley game because of COVID. And uh, uh, I tell you what, I'm really thankful we got it because O'Donnell's really good. And um, the fact – I don't know if we lose that game. If we don't lose that game, I don't know if we win the Motley County game just because of the lessons we learned in that game. We just didn't make plays that we needed to down the stretch to win. Mm-hmm. I guess what were some of those lessons? You kind of said it there, but, you know, what do you feel like you took from that game and just kind of used to grow? Yeah, well, the biggest one, um, we turned the ball over in that game quite a bit. Uh, I think three times we got the ball inside of O'Donnell's red zone and turned it over and uh, gave up a kick return, missed some kicks, just did some stuff that you know, we talked about just aren't winning plays. And so, um, you know, our kids know that, uh, our record whenever we win the turnover battle is pretty good and we're hard to beat whenever we do that. And so uh, just reinforcing those things and taking care of the football, being really good on special teams because um, that third phase gets neglected a lot of the times, but it cost us in that O'Donnell game for sure. And of course, I mean, you kind of have a pretty good record there, Jayton, just in past years and things like that. You guys do all right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they, the kids see that tradition. How do you think? Even that even factors into things. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really good, the, the, the tradition like you talked about, just because, like, you know, as, as our high school guys get ready to uh, go and and uh, start this playoff run, you know, we've got a bunch of our junior high kids are our managers. And so those guys are getting to see everything. Um, you know, our junior high was able to win the district championship this week too. Our JV finished the year undefeated. And so – um, it's just one of those things that when we get the, like, I think we have now when the program really gets established, like it has, it just kind of runs itself. You know, the expectations are always high. The kids work hard during the weight rooms during the summer and in the spring. And, um, you know, they just, uh, they look forward to, to their turn to be out there on a Friday night. And then kind of speaking of which, obviously losing a guy like Ty, you know, graduating and then. Aaron, a lot of those guys that you mentioned, five total, who have you just seen uh, step up to fill those roles? I think on Friday you mentioned Pekas Smith. Yeah, and, and Pekas for us was – he's been a known commodity. I mean, he's a four-year starter, the first-team All-State running back last year. And so, you know, we know we have in Pekas Smith uh, without a doubt. But um, he was really the only one that ha- had a lot of experience for us. You know, a lot of the other guys are coming in. Four of our four of our six starters were, were on JV last year. So, I mean, those guys, thankfully, we, you know, they got to have that JV season to, to get some experience. But, you know, um, you know, we're starting, to, starting a uh, new quarterback, you know, a whole new line this year, well, aside from, from our center who we returned. But, uh, you know, all those kids have stepped up and done a great job, uh, you know, just uh, I'm really proud of what they've done because they, they've really stepped up. And just kind of going back to the game, it was kind of back and forth it looked like, and then you just kind of pulled away. What was the creating that momentum and hanging on to that lead? You know, we really um, – we hadn't gotten a stop all night except for right before half. And uh, we, we were able to get a stop before half. We were down six. We were getting the ball coming out in the second half, and so we felt pretty good about our chances to come out, score a touchdown, and take the lead. Um, but then 
they recovered an onside kick on the opening kickoff of the second half, scored the next play. So they go up two touchdowns early in the third quarter. And uh, to our kids' credit, they really didn't bat an eye. Um, you know, they're, you know we, they're, they're a pretty resilient group of kids. They know how to handle adversity. Um, we were able to go down and score a touchdown, and I just challenged them in the huddle to somebody to make a play defensively. And uh, that, that possession, Devin Jones forced a fumble. Um, we scored off of it. The next possession, Caden Valerio forces a fumble. We scored off of that and then forced a punt. So the next three possessions after that, just me challenging those guys to make some plays defensively, they did. And uh, obviously, Pecos kind of iced the game late with the 40-yard interception return for a touchdown. But um, it was really those turnovers, you know, getting those stops defensively and swung the momentum in our favor. And uh, it was really good. And obviously, for top two teams make it, which there can be a lot of guess, variation, you know, being the one seed versus kind of the two seed. You know, how do you plan on, I just guess, carrying that momentum and just, you know, riding that with that number one seed versus, you know, playing some really tougher teams right away? Yeah, you know, um, it's, you know, we just kind of, just look at it, and uh, you know we've we've got a, we've got Chillicothe this week, and uh, and and Coach Young does a really good job. They're big and they're physical. Um, it's just one of those things. We you know just looking at the bracket. Um, no matter what, whether we're the one or the two, um, it's 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 going to be tough, like it should be. You know, um, so we're excited about it. Um, you know, you talk about momentum. I think I think we have a group of kids now that really believe um, after Friday. Because we, you know, we've been talking about it all year long, and and I tell them all the time, like there's enough talent in our locker room to to play with anybody. We just gotta, we've got to go do it every week. I think you mentioned it, but those turnovers again. How much are you going to depend on getting those in that game, and what are some other factors to consider when playing uh, Chili Cough? Yeah, so the, the turnovers, obviously, you know, that's always a big point of emphasis for us. Um, and then we've got some goals every week about, uh, you know. Um, tackling you know we, we, we don't want to miss tackles uh explosive plays are a big one for us um Chillicothe is going to run the double wing and they're going to run a lot of motion and misdirection so for us this week it's going to be a lot about our discipline our eye discipline and reading keys flying to the football um, and being physical and then already you know this is new season you know winner go home there's a lot on the line do you just see that that mentality shift in the guys of knowing that uh, coming into this week? Yeah, you know, and again, um, fortunately, this is a place that we've been quite a few times. And so the kids understand the situation and, uh, you know, they, uh, they're they pretty good at this point about really focusing in and locking in. And like I said, we've been pretty good about peaking at this time every year and playing good football. And, and uh, so they know what's at stake and they're a, they're a good group of kids. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Coach Stanilin, and good luck this week. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.